Would you do me a favor and would you please stand? Those of us who are online, would you stand right there at wherever you're deployed or those who are at home, stand with me for just a moment. I just want to say this. Congratulations. We made it. 2023. Yay! Would you give a high five to the person next to you and say, we made it. We made it. Those online high fives to the living room, we made it. All right, we can sit down again. Thank you. We made it. We made it. For some of us, 2022 was, you know, we always, every year we write a new chapter in our book of our life. And for some of us, 2022 was like, I'm not going to go back and look through that chapter again. <laughs> and some of us is like, there was a lot of cool things, but those chapters are important for always what's next. What always is what's next. So it is the first day of the new year. Christmas is over, at least as a holiday, right? The parties, the food, the shopping, the travel, yeesh, what a year for travel. The illnesses that were left and right. I want to share with you all the wonderful food I have was not fair Wednesday when I woke up with a fever and a stomach virus. That is just not fair. That's not fair after all that food. I won't go into any more description than that. Um, Christmas music. Like, are you so done with Christmas songs or you still want some more? Yeah, we got a mixed reaction there. Did you know, did you know, I just discovered this, there is an after Christmas song. There is an after Christmas song. It's written by Bob Malone, 2018. It's so popular you can find it on YouTube. It's the only place I can find it. It says this, it says, pull down a tree, turn down the lights, another Christmas is done. Oh, how I hate to see it go. Throw out the cards, tear down the wreath. I guess it's time to move on. Seems like the season's just begun. And here's a chorus. Here comes that melancholy feeling, red, green, gold, and silver turning blue. <laughs> I wish I could find a way not to end this holiday. Christmas is over, but Merry Christmas to you. Do you think Bob has an issue and needs to move on beyond Christmas a little bit? <laughs> Hope Bob's not watching, but it's like, uh, it's kind of a depressing song. It's the after Christmas song. It's like, but I, I want to actually look at one more Christmas song with you today. I, I want to look at a song that was actually written 40 days after the first Christmas when Jesus was born, 40 days after. So it's the original, the original after Christmas song. But before we jump in there, I'm just glad to celebrate the new year with all of you. Here we are worshiping the Lord, and here we go. Day one, it's fun when, it, when, when New Year's lands on a Sunday. So, um, but to our, to our faithful here, give me a moment with our guests. To our guests, we're glad you're here. If you're here visiting family, uh, we just hope your experience is that you feel like family that you're with us today. And that every time you come back and visit, you, you come and worship with us. We love having you. Uh, if you're looking for a new church home, and, and we have a lot of shift uh, here in Manhattan in January. We would love that you'd fill out this little connect card that's on the bottom of this worship guide uh, when you come in today and you can just put an email address
us. You can drop it in the boxes here as you head out the door or go to our welcome center. But we're really excited you're here and we just want to reach out to you because there's so much that goes on in this church that you don't see in just an hour on Sunday. So uh, feel free to, but also on the back to our guests, there's this, we're going to go into this, this song, this after Christmas song. We're going to go into God's word together and there's an outline here on the back. It's kind of the framework of what we're going to talk about in God's word. So feel free to fill in the blanks and join with us. So this Advent sermon series that we've been in for six, like this is the sixth sermon in this series. Uh, It's been going on for over five weeks. It's called Wander. And and we look at all these songs that were sung primarily in the book of Luke. And so here's a list of where we've been. And so we we start with Isaiah's song. Isaiah broke out in a song like 700 years before the birth of Jesus. And then we went into two other songs of very pregnant women, one very old who wasn't supposed to have a baby. That was Elizabeth, her song uh, of joy. And then we went into Mary's song who was very young pregnant and new pregnant. And and her song was a song of love. And then we went to Zachariah's song, this mute priest who at least got his tongue back in time to sing. (laughs) And Zachariah's song, uh, that he sang of, of, of peace about his son being born who was going to pave the way for Jesus. And then on Christmas Eve, we went to the song of the angels. In the shepherds filled, the sky just filled and this huge song burst out by the angels' song. Well, there's one more song that's in this group that's included in the Gospel of Luke that we don't want to miss. Now, I know Christmas as a holiday is over, but Advent really isn't. Advent is not only the anticipation of or the, the celebration of Jesus' first arrival, the Advent is also remembering that he's coming back. And so we can hang in here in one more song together if you put up with one more Christmas song or after Christmas song, and it's this one, Simeon's song. Simeon's song is where we're gonna go today. So if you would turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter two again. We've been there a lot the last few weeks. Starting in verse 25, 25. And while you're turning there, I do love praying to the Holy Spirit to help us with the venture that we're just about to go on together. So would you bow your heads with me? Holy Spirit, we ask, as always, when we come to God's word, that there's only one that that helps us see it. There's only one that that reveals what we need revealed, and it's you. And so as we go into God's word together, Holy Spirit, we ask that first you remove any distractions. Man, what a busy season we just come through. And we just ask to remove the crazy getting here, uh, anything that's going on, just get us focused here on God's word, which is so important to us. And Holy Spirit, we ask you reveal something in here that we need to know and somewhere that we need to change so we all can become more like Christ together. Because when we all grow in this church, the church is an amazing thing that is the hope of the world right now and your primary instrument to the world. So Holy Spirit, you have our hearts moldable. Even add a little tension to our lives. Add a little spice here today on what we need to do. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. There's a quote uh, from a lady, you probably haven't heard of her, she was new to me, Khaki Upchurch, she was an editor, actually of a Catholic devotional uh, Bible that was reading that was written on Simeon's song. And she, she said this, listen to this, it's kind of interesting, it says, among the most noted qualities of God's people in ancient times, so let me say it again, she said, among the most noted quality of God's people, Israel, in ancient times, is that of hope-filled waiting. That was the one thing that really marked this nation, hope-filled waiting. They waited 
to be released from captivity in Egypt. They waited in the desert to find and then enter the promised land. They waited for God to answer their desire for a king and then they waited for God to intervene when their royal households became corrupt. They waited in captivity to return to the promised land. They waited for God's anointed to be made known among them. Some waiting was for them as it is for us, frustrating and even frightening. That is a hallmark of the Israelite people, was waiting, was waiting. And there's one story here in the Gospel of Luke of a man who waited his whole life to meet the Messiah. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Simeon. Simeon. So let's go here. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 25. This is God's word. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly awaiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, that day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. Simeon was there. So let's take a look at this. So Simeon, we know, we know he's an older man, probably in his twilight years. He's, he's righteous. That means he's lived his life right. It doesn't mean he's perfect. He lived his right, life right. He's devout. He's faithful. What do we all want to model in our lives? Just being devout and faithful and trying to live right for God. His life had only one thing left that was important. One thing left, and that was to see the Messiah. And because that Messiah was going to come and rescue. And it says the Holy Spirit was not only upon him. That happened at an earlier time. It said that day it led him. So the Holy Spirit was upon him. That means the Holy Spirit was filling him. The Holy Spirit was telling him that you will see the Messiah. And then that day, he says, I need you to go to the temple. So what's interesting is you go through this whole series that we've been in Advent on Wander. You notice there's something happening here in every song. Every song that was sang, right before they went to the song, it said that they were filled with the Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit was upon them. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit when she burst into song. Mary was filled with the Holy Spirit when she approached Elizabeth. Elizabeth's baby in the womb, John the Baptist, was filled with the Holy Spirit. And Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit. And now we see Simeon too. The Holy Spirit was upon him and led him that day. So let me take a small rabbit trail and go over why this is so important. It's your first sermon note here uh, together. The mark of the Holy Spirit. The mark of the Holy Spirit. How do we know the Holy Spirit is upon us? Well, the first thing is the Holy Spirit speaks about Jesus. This is the Holy Spirit's primary job to us as Christians is to speak about Jesus. And that day, he spoke about Jesus. He spoke to Simeon saying, you will see him, you will meet him, and then on that day, 
hey, he's coming, get to the temple. So the Holy Spirit always speaks about Jesus. You know, even when we're not listening to the Holy Spirit and doing our own thing, he is gonna speak Jesus to us because he wants our whole life to worship him. Second thing is the mark of the Holy Spirit is not only does he speak Jesus, he reveals Jesus to the human heart. So he can speak it to you, but for you actually to understand in your heart who he is, the Holy Spirit speaks that to him. Now what's interesting here in Simeon is Simeon is now like the fifth or sixth character we see in this story or this series that's heard of Jesus. The new Jesus that's coming, the prophecies of Jesus, Simeon's heard about him. He's one of the first to hear, but I would argue that he is the first to actually understand. He's actually the first to understand. The Holy Spirit reveals and Simeon understood that in the temple that day that he was going to see salvation just walk through the door. The other mark of the Holy Spirit is not only does he speak Jesus, not only does he reveal Jesus so we know him or or reveal him to us, the third thing is he leads people in relationship with Jesus. So the Holy Spirit will speak his name. He will lead you to him. He will, will, sorry, let me get my word right. He will reveal who he is to you, but then he builds the relationship and connects you with him and sows you together as one and fills you with him, makes you more Christ-like. The Holy Spirit is the only one that makes us more Christ-like. And so he speaks, he reveals, he leads. So he not only filled Simeon and told him he would see this day, he leads him to the temple, he draws him to Jesus, and then he connects him to Jesus. Now this day at the temple was a big day. Mary and Joseph were there, for three reasons. They were there, one, it's 40 days after the birth of Jesus. So Mary is going through a purification rite, which was normal for all Jewish women because of the blood and because of the birth process. After 40 days, they present themselves to the temple, they're purified, and that kind of restores them in community. They also, on this day, is not only going through the purification rite, they're also dedicating their firstborn in Jesus to the Lord. So they're presenting him and dedicating him. So there's three things going on in this moment. Now, what's interesting is, uh, I should throw a picture up there, but the minute they get into the temple, Simeon is there waiting for them. Now, if I, I should have thrown a picture up here of the temple. When you walk into the temple, I, I usually should throw the picture up there. It's a big deal to go to Jerusalem and go in a temple. Imagine, again, Mary and Joseph are 14, 15. Simeon's probably 70, 80, something like that, right? And they're meeting here. Now, when you walk into the temple, there's first the outer Gentile court, which is like 30 acres. It's huge. All the nations can come into that court as God draws all nations to him at the temple. But then the next, as you head towards the Holy of Holies, you go up the stairs into the next court, which is the court of women. The court for Jewish women would be behind there, and chances are this is where Mary was, was in the court of women. Gentiles can't go in there. Only Jewish women and Jewish men can go in there, and beyond the, gen- the, court, of je- of wi- of the court of women is the court of Israel, of, of Israel where the men can go, and then the Holy of Holies. So it's kind of a three-stage progression. And so imagine this young couple, so young, 
a 40-day-old baby going into the temple, how big and how overwhelming it is, and they walk into the court of women, and here is Simeon who's trembling <laughs> because he knows what he's going to see. Imagine God calling one of us to go in a temple to meet the Messiah. I imagine Simeon's hands were trembling and these two just stood out because of purification right and things they're there for. And Simeon approaches them and asks them, can I hold your baby? Can you imagine Mary and Joseph, how startled they might have been at all this? And they hand over Jesus to this elderly man who's just trembling in joy and then Simeon breaks out in a song let's go back to verse 28 Simeon took the child in his arms and praised God saying sovereign Lord now let your servant die in peace as you have promised I have seen your salvation which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Simeon's song, four verses long. Whenever I encounter Simeon's song, I always like sharing this painting with you. I might just shared it a year or two ago. This is, this is a painting called Simeon's Moment by Ron Diciani. Look at his face as he holds the Messiah in his hands, a 40-day-old baby in his hands. Look at his face. That's the moment in the temple that's trying to be captured. Now, Brenna, our worship leader, and I were looking and going through the slides and everything, preparing early this morning for today, and she says, do you see this? It's like, What? For those online, those here, look at right where about Simeon's right shoulder is up through his headdress. You will see an outline of the United States to South America and then over here, Africa. He is holding the glory to all nations. I've never seen that before. It's like, good job, Brenna. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? That is such an important part of the story. So let's look at our next sermon note. So let's break down Simeon's song. There's four, three things I want to talk about Simeon shares in his song. Simeon's song shared that he has first no regrets in life. Simeon's first thing he says, he says, I am in peace. He says, Sovereign Lord, let your servant die in peace. He has no regrets in life. I am at peace. My soul is settled now because you have promised. Simeon sees two of God's promises fulfilled right here. The first is what the Holy Spirit told him, come to the temple and I will show you the Messiah. That's the first promise. The second promise is a Savior they've been waiting hundreds of years for is in his hands. Two promises fulfilled right there. He has no regrets in life because he knows what he's holding in his hands is forgiveness. He knows he's at peace because he's been forgiven. 
And he knows the same forgiveness that comes down the vertical extends outward, right? And we can't have peace unless we have forgiveness outward and back towards us. So Simeon's song says, I have no regrets. I'm at peace. The second thing he says, I have no fear of death. I have no fear of death. He says, I am in peace. He says, I can die in peace. Simeon says, I can die in peace. I have seen your salvation. It is a person. And in this person, I am saved from death. And this salvation is for everyone. He says it's for all people. And as he looks down, he says, not only do I see forgiveness in my hands, I see salvation in my hands. And the third thing we see in Simeon's song is the full wonder of the Messiah. It's been our whole series. Every song has been a song of wonder. Simeon is on the very front end of seeing the Messiah to the world. He doesn't, he only can wonder what this little baby is going to do, but he knows. This little baby will reveal God, is what he says in the scripture, to the nations. Now, why is that important? When we look at that scripture verse, I have seen your salvation which has been prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations. Why is that so big? I think it's big because he's standing in the court of women in the temple. Now, if you, what was recently found a few years ago in an archaeological dig of the ruins is they found a stone that sat in a temple that warned Gentiles that if they crossed the line and left the Gentile court and came into the women's court, the Jewish women's or men's court, it would be at the penalty of their life. The inscription would read, no foreigner, Gentile beyond this sign, for they will have themselves to blame for their death. That was a sign that sat right on the edge of the Gentile court that nobody besides a Jewish person could walk beyond there. Just beyond that sign, Simeon is holding the salvation to all nations. And we know within 30 years that temple is torn down, there's no more barrier, and a church becomes the instrument to share the gospel with everybody. There is no more us and them. This moment is so shocking for him to say that inside there. Simeon's wonder what this child would do. He understood, yet he would not fully understand. And yet, not only is he holding forgiveness in his hands, not only is he holding salvation in his hands, he is seeing God's glory, which means he's seeing the very face of God. For Jesus later would say, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I would just stop here and send you all home because this is super cool, but there's so much more in this. Let's go back to verse 33 now. Jesus' parents were amazed, amazed at what was being said about him. And then Simeon blessed them. And he said to, bear, to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. 
He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. And as a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And Mary, a sword will pierce your very soul. I look at this, and this is where I know that Simeon knew more about what was going on than Mary and Joseph at this point. Because they're amazed at everything that Simeon's saying about this child. Can you imagine being new parents at 14 and 15 and getting ready for this message that Simeon is about ready to share with them? But that's how the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit only reveals to us what we can handle at the time so we can grow steadily to be more like Christ. So Simeon's timing in the Holy Spirit's perfect. He's right there with this young couple, giving them the next piece of information that they need to understand about this child. They're so amazed at what he says, but Simeon starts first with blessing them. And I think that's perfect because what he's gonna say next. He blesses them in their amazement. But then he looks right at Mary into her eyes And this moment is intense because he knows he's delivering a very hard message to a very young mom. He says, this little baby will cause many to fall. The proud will come tumbling down and he will cause many to rise. He will cause the humble to be exalted. Not only that, he will cause us to rise in new life in him. He is a sign, he tells Mary. That means he is the visible image of the invisible God. He's a sign we can see God in him. And he uses that word many again. Mary, many will oppose him. Why? Because he is the light of the world and when he comes in their life, he's gonna expose the deepest, darkest things in them. And many people will reject that and oppose him. He's come to save them and they will turn away and enjoy their darkness over the light. So much will they oppose him, Mary, that you will watch him suffer as an adult in every year of his public ministry life. Jesus is the word, is what the Gospel of John tells us. And we know it's a two-edged sword that pierces down to the deepest part of our joints and marrow to reveal in us what we need to change. And that's what Jesus is trying to do. He said that very same sword will pierce you. He's also referring to the very same piercing that will go into Jesus' side on the cross that his mother will witness. And he says that will penetrate your soul also. Your next sermon note, to embrace Jesus, that's what Simeon's doing, is embracing Jesus. To embrace Jesus is to embrace the cross. And that's exactly what he's telling her at this moment. To embrace this son is to embrace his full work in life. Mary, you can't hold on to him. You are giving him to the world. 
To embrace Jesus, to follow him, and to allow him to change our lives will be difficult. He will expose your and my inner thoughts. He will bring lights to those dark rooms in our spiritual homes. And today the world still opposes him. Because the world opposes Jesus even today, to follow him today requires us to go against the grain of the world. And that brings suffering. And it's worth every step. Because it also brings the joy, the peace, and the no fear of death. I'm amazed at us in this American culture how we are not afraid of suffering for the most part. We will do anything for our children. We will work super hard. We will do all these things. We will go to a football game in 20 below temperatures. We will suffer for what we believe in. The question is, will we suffer for what we believe in is most important? Will we suffer because we know to follow Jesus will go against the grain of the world, but it's worth it because it changes people and it gives them life, including us getting life. Not only do we share in the suffering, but we share in the joy every day. I thought about in the sermon exiting here, but there's still more. There's still more that's really important. There's something else that happens at the temple that's important that we don't skip in this very moment. There's another faithful person there. Her name is Anna. Let's go back to verse 36. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. And she's, she was a daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. And then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple and stayed there day and night, worshiping God and fasting in prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph. And she began praising God. She talked about the child to who? Everyone. Everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. So now we got Anna. Anna, we know, only was married seven years and spent the majority of her life in the temple, probably in a servant role. She would have been really well known. She's only one of two women. The other one's a group of women. They're listed in the New Testament as prophets. That means she understood exactly what's going on. She walks up right when Simeon's going through all this with Mary and Joseph, and then she explodes into song, praising and worshiping God, and she understands, and then she runs around telling everyone. Well, I don't think she ran around and told everyone. Her job was a temple. Everybody come to the temple. Three pilgrimage festivals a year, every time that temple filled and hundreds of thousands would come there, Anna was telling everybody. The Messiah who's come to rescue us is here. Here's your fourth sermon note. Simeon's song was a duet. It was a duet. Both praised, both worshiped, both were given peace 
and joy in their last days. And they went to work. We especially see it in Anna's story. Now this part is important to share. This is a great example for everybody here in this church who is in the twilight years of their life. That includes me. I got the gray hair. I achieved this era. This is a great example that even though I can feel my body physically going the other direction, I am spiritually going in the great direction. In my life, in our lives, for those of us who are in our senior or our experienced seasoned years, we should be shifting up spiritually, not shifting down. Anna was rolling. She could not wait to tell people about the Messiah. Like, this is my last run. I'm going to make my last run great. And that should be an example for all of us who are in a season of our life. We have all this experience, all this relationship. The Holy Spirit's done all this work. Let's go to work. Let's finish shifting up, not shifting down. But this next is for all of us. Why is, or how is Simeon and Anna's duet so important to us? It's a song I believe we all need to add to our Christmas playlist or your New Year's playlist now. How many here, how many online, how many of you already have goals for 2023? How many here would say, I know what I'm going to do this year. I got it listed out. Yeah, there's a few that just like, they really have a plan. And how many of you, like me, are still trying to catch up from 2022? I'm kind of in both worlds a lot of time. And then I think as we look at 2023 and we have, we're closing the chapter of 2022, we're opening up a new chapter in our lives. And we have all these things that we think God can do in our lives. So we're, we're looking at all these things, whether they're, they're tasks, whether they're goals, whether they're gym memberships, whatever they are for 2023, those are all important, but there is one goal. There is one goal that we learn in this story that's more important than any other. And if we don't have this goal, none of those other goals matter. And so this isn't in your sermon notes, but feel free. There's pins on the back of your chair to write these down. Here's how to approach 2023. Today's day one. Here's the must goal, the very first one. Embrace the Messiah and his cross. This is our number one goal. It doesn't matter anything else we do. Is live our life in worship of him in everything that we do. And he will make us more like him every step of the way. Embrace him just as Simeon embraced him. This is our number one goal, but realize when we do this, we are going to also embrace the cross. And it's okay. And when we have that goal right, the rest of these goals fit right into place. The next one, unload your regrets in life. Simeon had no regrets. But a lot of us are still carrying regrets from 2022. I have a ball and chain ties around my ankle in my office. I thought about bringing it back out of here. It's like putting that thing on and saying, here we go, 2023. And I just, how do we get rid of our regrets? How do we get rid of our regrets? Forgiveness is the issue. Know that you've been forgiven by the Father through the Son 
And because of that is how we're forgiving in the horizontal amongst our peers and, and maybe I need to be forgiven by somebody else. Let's get rid of our regrets because it's hard to carry them into a new year. And forgiveness is commonly at the root of most of them. Third, live in joy in the face of fear. You embrace the Messiah, you're gonna live in joy. You know where you're going. Our world has a lot of fear in it. Guys, our world is beautiful. It's God's creation. It's got a brokenness to it. And people are so focused on the fear right now. Simeon wasn't focused on the fear. He was focused on the Messiah and the joy of the Messiah. If we embrace the Messiah, we're gonna be able to live in that joy in the face of fear. We live differently. You are attractive to a world that is stuck in fear. We need to be attractive to the world. If we live in fear, that is not attractive to the world. The rest of the world does that. Third, fourth, sorry. We embrace the Messiah. We wait and wonder for the Messiah. Wonder is a big part of all this for us. But you gotta understand that we have Jewish blood in all of us. <laughs> they are our ancestors. They waited and waited and waited. You know, I went through all those. They waited and waited and waited. We are waiting too. What are we waiting for? Jesus to come back. That's the second part of Advent. We are waiting anxiously every day that he can come back. Any day that he can come back. I pray every morning, Jesus, come back today. Am I tired of the suffering and the pain this world has? I am. But I also tell him, don't come back today because I know too many people that need to know you. Give me another day in the power of your spirit to share about Jesus because I want everyone to know him. So I live in that tension every day. I want him to come back so bad and I don't want him to come back right now. And I want us all to live that way. We wait just like our Israelite brothers and sisters in wonder for the Messiah to come back. It's gonna be a beautiful day. It's gonna be the best day of our lives. And the last, how to approach 2023, when we embrace the Messiah, be in the spirit, ready for whatever might happen today. All the people in all the songs walked and existed in the spirit and they moved when he told them to move. When Simeon said, go, he said, go today, I went today. Know how the spirit nudges you. Go do this, go do this, go do this. The spirit will always be directing us to what's most important that day. And I, 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 I hate to share that sometimes our agenda and our workload is not the most important thing today. I was going through a book, and this really hit me, is, is, is how we serve the world, how we serve people. In Richard Foster's book, Celebration of Discipline, one of the gifts that we have, one of the spiritual disciplines that we have is service. Service is how we as Christians treat the world. We are not to be of the world, we are to be in it, serving it, waking it up, not rejecting it, rejecting what the world tells us, but we are to be chest waiter deep in the world serving and it's and, and, his, and the thing that just struck me in, in, in his chapter was he said there's a difference between a discipline of service and a servant service is a discipline of doing what God wants me to do that day through the Holy Spirit servant is I'll do it whenever he says it 
Servant is somebody who does it whenever the Holy Spirit says go, no matter what. Service, I can do on my schedule today. Servant, I do it on his schedule. And I thought that was amazing, the difference. I thought I had service down. But ladies and gentlemen, we are all ministers. We're all called to serve the world and go after the world. And I will tell you, most of the time, it is inconvenient. <laughs> and it is not on our schedule. But join the Holy Spirit when he says go, go. When he says do, do. Embrace the Messiah. Unload our regrets in life. Live in joy. Wait in wonder. Be in the Spirit. We do that in 2023 as a church. Watch what God does. Amen? And the only way we can respond to God's word is our best offering to him. Would you bow your heads with me and let's give God our best offering that we have. Heavenly Father, for you so loved the world, you sent your one and only son. Oh, to be standing next to Simeon that day and the expression on his face and to be sharing that with him. But we, you've revealed all this to us. And we have so much more than they have because we have the finished work on the cross that Simeon hadn't seen yet. <sighs> Father, let our offering today be the best step forward that we have in 2023. Let our offering of today is I need to walk out of here and embrace Christ in a different way. And then I can let go of my regrets. Holy Spirit, show us what regrets are holding us back. And then help us. We have all these brothers and sisters in Christ here to let go of those regrets, to get help. And maybe today I just write on my Connect card, I said, I need help with a regret. And we will help. We've all had brothers and sisters help us. Maybe my, my issue is all the fear that surrounds me. Maybe I need to embrace Jesus today and I can live in joy because I live in peace and I'm not afraid of what this world can bring. Maybe that's an offering I need today is get rid of the fear. Father, you are doing amazing things with this church, but we need every person here on fire like Anna telling about Jesus. And we just need to be set free to do that. So Father, we give you our offering. It's our time this week that we can be inconvenienced to join the Holy Spirit in something and the work you're doing it can be our talent that grows this church and reaches many others with the good news of Jesus Christ. And it also can be our treasure. We give back as much as we can because you've given so much to us and we love seeing this church flourish and reach all around the world. This church cares about every nation and we have missionaries from our church on every continent because we care that much about your message about the nations. We want to embrace the Messiah, the hope of all nations. So Father, whatever offering can be today, let it be beautiful, let it be fragrant, let it be the first step of joy in a great year ahead together. We lift this all up in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. amen.